This is a Momentum Media production. Nerd alert! Property Nerds, <laughs> the home for data-driven property investors, where we uncover Australia's hot and cold markets, latest headlines and trends. Welcome back for another Property Nerds episode, and this is your host, Arjun Paliwal, also the founder and director at Investikit Buyers Agency, Australia's Buyers Agency of the Year for 2023. Now, this is my last episode with myself alone. I'll be joined back with the popular Lee Paliwal, as you know, my wife. She's been away for the last uh, month and a bit or a couple months. Um, and so you haven't heard her on a few of the episodes of, as we've been busy having a, a new little girl in the house. And uh, yeah, we've got our first daughter, healthy, six weeks period pass. So obviously now we've got um, mom out and about of the house too. And and yeah, hands are definitely busy there, but no doubt she's pumped to get back on the mic. So when it comes to December, we'll be having that first episode back in together again after having little Ruby. Uh, now, now, if you want to check out Ruby and you've been, you know, uh, following along with the podcast and uh, you'd love to connect with me and, and see all the, the baby photos I'm spamming all over the internet, because honestly, she's the cutest little thing, truly the bundle of joy. Uh, well, connect with me, Arjun Paliwal, A-R-J-U-N and Paliwal's P-A-L-I-W-A-L on any of the socials, really. Um, I spam her all over Facebook. So if you want to connect with me, say hi, be a friend. I promise I'll accept. I won't be uh, one of those ones declining anyone. And uh, yeah, she's um, she's very, very cute there and, and someone that's awesome to hang out with. So I've definitely softened up a bit since uh, having uh, the baby uh, at home. And uh, I think that's a, it's a good part of me that's sort of coming out more, which is awesome. Uh, however, for today's episode, Got a lot of things to run through. Got an exciting episode ahead with our latest research paper release for all my fellow data nerds. The second thing is we've got a couple of cool announcements and also some special limited time giveaways. So let me start right there. Firstly, on the giveaway, we've actually put together a bit of a property bundle. And this bundle is one of the most unique things out on the internet. Uh, essentially, what it is, is a bundle that contains all our research papers to date a cash flow sheet analyzer to help you with numbers and crunching deals and and so forth and then also it's got a whole bunch of you know helpful resources from due diligence checklist to know the detailed due diligence checklist that we follow at investikit as well as a few different things that will help many first time investors and even some of the more experienced ones so for example if you're trying to understand some of the 10 biggest myths that we see in investing and mistakes as well that can be found there and this has come from years of research over a billion dollars in transactions and also half a billion dollars in experience across finance too so the world of finance the world of property data and all that experience coming together to tell you hey we've seen the best investors we've seen some of the investors who get it wrong what are the common myths that they have and what are the most common mistakes that they have? So you can ensure that you don't make those too. Um, what else have we got? Well, we've also got some epic giveaways in that. Uh, number one is we point out some of the most undersupplied regions across the nation and some of the regions where rents are forecasted to grow the most in terms of their undersupply as well. And so this comes in from the back end of our machine learning uh, and AI and deal forecasting, where we're able to start to see all these different insights come together. So if this has been something on your mind, you're wanting to get research in a few areas, even understand our research process better, and even you know just understand more about 
I guess, what's happening across the country, uh, cash flow analyzing deals, avoiding mistakes with due diligence. And you really want to go out there and be empowered, the right knowledge to say, look, I want to go give this a go. I get it, Arjun. You run a buyer's agency, you help people, but let me do my thing. I want to give this a go myself. And I really want to do that. I want to be empowered. Well, please do. Because remember, our buyer's agency service, if that's you, isn't for you. Our buyer's agency services are for time-poor investors, are for those who want handheld end-to-end professional support, for those who want to eliminate all the possible risks of error, all the off-market relationships and connections. That's where it's for. So when it comes to this particular bundle, it's for a different group of people who really want to be empowered and do their own. So I want to help you out and I want to offer you this. It's a really, really limited time in terms of pricing that we've got. It is only $27 for this whole bundle. So if you're wanting to check it out, you can do it. It's called investikit.com.au. And here's the URL slash ultimate dash property dash toolkit. Now, I don't know if you know, the dash is not, by the way, Um, uh, I think I'll just make sure I clarify that again. It's investigate.com.au forward slash ultimate. And then it's that you know hyphen in the middle, property hyphen again, toolkit, just to ensure no one gets their dashes wrong. Uh, we'll also, if you're tuning into this from the smart property investment website directly, we'll also give the URL to the team so they can add it to the actual podcast release as well. Uh, we'll try our best to chuck it on the um descriptions of the podcast as well, whether you're listening to it on Spotify or anything like that. So you can grab that URL and go out there and purchase this bundle. It's only $27. It's a lot of info. There's nothing like this on the internet out there for this low cost. Um, Everyone is trying to give you free stuff has nothing as good as this. And everyone who's trying to give this stuff is making it not as cheap as this. So we found the sweet spot to be able to do it all. So that's enough in terms of that giveaway. That is the core thing that I really wanted to shout out because I really wasn't sure if I wanted to give this out to the world or not. But you know what? I realize that, as I mentioned before, the clients who work with us have that different set of needs, but I understand that everyone who listens to this podcast doesn't want to just go and work with a buyer's agent. That's cool. You may be wanting to do things yourself and be more empowered, and I give that to you there. So check it out. That's investikit.com.au forward slash ultimate dash property dash toolkit. Hopefully, I don't get a whole bunch of URL errors and you get this right. I'll drop it in those areas. Now, I did say we had another announcement, and before I jump into today's podcast of Australia's undersupplied regions, I wanted to jump through and give one more announcement because this has been a phenomenal year for us. I mean, obviously, on the personal front, we've had uh, the welcoming of our first child, but on a professional front, Investikit Buyers Agency was named Australia's Buyers Agency of the Year for 2023. And uh, earlier on, we had our end of financial year conference, and I really set the mission out with the team and the vision ahead to say, look, the positive difference we make here to be able to do what we do for a living and be able to help this many families, imagine what we need to do and can do to be able to step up and make such a positive difference in our customers' lives and keep improving what we do for our customers that we go in there and win, if not the only company in Australia ever, to win back-to-back REB Australia's Buyers Agency of the Year Award. Now, on the journey to back-to-back wins, you cannot be back-to-back unless you're a finalist first, right? And so just yesterday, we got the news 
actually it won't be yesterday for when this comes out, but uh, just last week, we got the news to say that we are finalists for Australia's Buyers Agency of the Year for 2024. So I'm super, super pumped. And I want to say massive thank you for all the people who've nominated us, um, all our clients who've supported us, and even just everyone tuning into the show who's checked this out and said, hey, guys, I love what you do in the show. I love what you do in terms of helping people, helping families. Uh, I want to go out there and support. And so, guys, this has been totally possible, only thanks to you all. So if you're tuning in, as well as the Investigate Dream Team, thank you for all the support. We're in the running to be the first and make some history to win back-to-back Buyers Agency of the Year in the country. We're in the finalists now, February 2024. We get to find out if we win the back-to-back. I would forever be grateful if we do. Um, If not, nonetheless, I'm really appreciative of the journey. And to be able to take gold in 23 and come in as a finalist already for 24, I'm stoked. So today's episode, if you want to learn about undersupplied areas of Australia's housing, well, today will give you that answer. Uh, our research team, myself, head of research, our data scientists, uh, Anas, our junior research analysts and associates, Douglas and Eli, and then of course, the superstar, Jung, our senior research analyst, has come together to put this research paper together where we've analyzed the country's supply. We analyzed it in multiple ways. Construction supply, rental supply, housing availability, which is basically stock on market as a proportion of houses in the area, relative housing supply to demand, which is how much is selling versus how much is online for sale, how much is online for sale in isolation, and even how much is online for sale compared to last year, three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago. So there is no more you know, detailed housing analysis of supply in Australia than what we do here at Investigate Buyers Agency. And so this is, by the way, a free research paper, and this is available on investigate.com.au. And you can click on the research tab, click on the white paper tab, and get this free to your inbox. We get the whole findings of what I'm sharing with you, including the areas and how they scored. And yes, the ever popular spider charts are back that show you each of the metrics and what's really standing out. So I'm going to not only talk through this report and do my best to get it in audio for you to understand and what's happening around the nation, but I'm also going to do a new thing that we've been doing of late, which is the screen shares, which means that if you are wanting to get the visual education from my side and being able to read and analyze this report, well, you know where to go. Jump onto Investigate's YouTube page, and that is just the words Investigate, I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R, KIT, and you'll be able to get the free YouTube video on there. And look, if you love it, if you enjoy it, if you enjoy stuff like this, smash the like, smash the subscribe button, because that just to me is saying, Arjun, do more of this, share us more. And guess what? On that page, we've also got some really cool new videos have been coming up with where I'm doing a nationwide tour, every single city, uh, the major cities that are above 20, 30,000 population, I think actually 50,000. And we're doing about 40 plus cities once a month. We've done the Sydney video, deep diving into Sydney's housing market. And as you know, I was the first and only analyst in the country to predict Sydney's recovery and boom well before it happened, even as interest rates were rising. Uh, in November of 2022, just as the markets were tanking, I came up with News Corp, news.com. We put out an article and shared some art, uh, insights. And even last year, the team at Macro Business, if you're super nerdy like me, the founder, I think it 
was the founding editor, uh, put up a thing and said, oh, I'm not so sure Arjun's thoughts on, you know, whether the Sydney market's going to recover in 2023 or not is going to happen because of uh, interest rates, the cliff, the fixed rates, this. Well, we proved that wrong and uh, it happened. The first quarter I said is when Sydney would recover. And so obviously that YouTube video also covers our thoughts on Sydney. We've also done Melbourne that comes out in the month of November and then Brisbane comes out in December and we're going to go through the tour of the whole nation each month. So let's jump into this one and screen share into Australia's housing fundamental analysis. And we're going to rock and um, not fundamental, sorry, Australia's undersupply analysis, the supply shortage. We're going to rock and roll here and, and actually end up checking what's happening. So Australia's housing supply analysis I mentioned before that we we're looking to try and maybe just create a 20 regions report. And honestly, I could have come up with a 50 regions report. That's how undersupplied we are across many, many regions. So if I've missed your region, don't feel bad. It's only for the purpose of putting a report together that we did 20. Otherwise, we would have done 50. If you're looking at the country, though, and seeing some of our major cities or the 20 that we picked, uh, well, we've got a fair few showing here. Obviously, you can see the score, which is ranked out of five. And when you're ranking it out of five, we had a, a list that was quite diverse across the nation, from parts of South Australia to WA, lots of undersupply in Queensland and New South Wales, uh, but things were happening across all of them. Uh, here I am here with the uh, actual list. So on the greater capital cities, we had uh, this list here, which includes in Perth, we'll start there with the Rockingham SA3, Bayswater slash Bassendine SA3. We've also got uh, some parts of uh, Sydney with Penrith, Botany, Hornsby. And then if we even look at some parts of SA's capital regions, uh, Marion Council, Prospect, Walker Vale, SA3, and uh, SA3, guys, if you want to just get up to scratch on that, you can Google what SA3 is. It's a census ABS term, so slightly bigger or smaller than a council region, but just clean data. That's what it helps us do. Uh, and in Brisbane, we've got the Strathpine in the far north. We've got Holland Park, Yoronga, SA3. And then in Melbourne, we've also got a few as well. But if we're going out to the regional cities, some undersupply emerging in the Barossa, in Mount Gambia, Bundaberg, Rockhampton, Toowoomba, Cairns. Rabina, Newcastle. And as I mentioned, there could have been more. So when you look at these undersupply components, well, what do they do? Well, here's the sp spider chart. We measure them across six. Future supply, construction pipeline, established supply, which is what's for sale, one year, three year, five year, seven year, 10 year against the averages. Price pressure, this is how much actual demand is coming into the area from days on market, speed of sale, vendor discounting, sales volumes, so how much discounting, how fast they're selling, how many deals are being made, and auction clearance rates. And we've got rental pressure, vacancy, rental price rise, rental days on market, and we use our own statistical weightings to create this algorithm and have that from a machine learning where we get to backtest this accuracy of the algorithm and the impacts on price growth, and they're pretty decent. So um, you should see some good price growth here in some of these areas based on some of these uh, algorithms showing the undersupply that's relative to demand. Housing availability, this is the stock on market component, and inventory levels as well, and then people movement where we get to see actual just migration internal overseas because that will also play into the supply effect. So these are the, the 20 here where you can go check out. Now, what we did is we also explained in that report how you can figure out whether what's a good score, what's a bad score, so you'll learn that. But when it comes to these areas, 
if we did an official top 20 list, and I'll tell you what I mean by official. So we had two ways to rank this. One was create a 20 list based on diversity across capitals, regionals, and states. So we're kind of picking the top of each. And then the second list we made, which was the 20 list, purely based on metrics alone, no diversity needed, just where is it showing and what is it showing? So you get both in this region. In the 20 list, you'll see Brisbane, Perth, and Sydney feature a bit more. And the top two most undersupplied were Adelaide regions in the in the middle market. So it's showing a little bit of everything, but lots of Perth and lots of Sydney starting to show up in this list. Melbourne had a small appearance, but it was only one out of the 20 areas when you look at the top 20. And we had a few regional areas there too. Okay. So I guess when we look at the supply crunch, firstly, let's have a look at what and why. And so the first thing is, if you have a look at chart one, we're tracking the total number of for sale listings, so established houses versus the population growth. Okay. So population growth trends, you can see that curve just continue to grow and grow. We've obviously crossed the 26 million. However, we've actually got lower supply in Australia in comparison to the actual population that we had 13 years ago. Isn't that crazy? So here's what I want to do to explain that. 13 years ago, we had the population at just over 21 million, 2010. Housing supply from established dwellings for sale 13 years ago was around 275,000 total listings. Now, if we go to today's total listings, we're at just over 210,000, 225,000. So it's just lower than 2010. But in the established market, this listing level, whilst lower than 13 years ago, our population is about 5 million more people. That shows you why we have the problem. Forget about all the indicators. If you've got 5 million more people in the country and you've got less sales than you did the time when you had 5 million less in terms of properties available for sale, that is, that's a problem. Houston, we have a problem, as they'd say, right? So this is big. This is big. And so now when we go to the next part, let's have a look at something that's quite important. This is called household formation. So people constantly think that to create under supply, you need more people. And hence why so many people get it wrong by looking at population growth in isolation as a driver of capital growth. That is not the case. Australia's household formation, something I really started to learn from understanding demographics data, not housing data, demographics. You start to actually understand that even if just people, say a family of four, turn into two families of two, that creates a new household, a new demand for rental and or for sale and or construction. So what that means is there's no new net people in the country, yet more demand is there. And so what we can see in chart two is actually taking into account a curve of household formation. And what we can see is household formation trend lower, um, actually trend higher to begin with over the next coming years. And so when it trends higher, there is you know more households being formed, more new households being formed. And the average household size dropping creates that. And we saw that in the RBA chart pack where average household size continued to drop. 
And then you have a look at that new supply or housing supply balance. And what you can see that's quite evident in this chart put together by the NHFC, what we can see here is that the supply additions of new construction and just established supply is far lower over the next three, four years in comparison to household formation. They believe that this problem will not start catching up until 2025. But when I say start catching up, the trend improving, and it actually reaches in supply or balance supply by about 2028. That's crazy. So we could have this growth cycle commence for a few more years. Then we go to the for listings lease, the rental market. The rental market, as you know, has had far lower properties for rent. So just to give you some insights, again, the population, we had about five to six more millions of people over the last 10 years, 12 years. Uh, we now have less rental properties available for rent than 2011. 2011, we had about 35 to 38,000 rental properties, depending on data source. We now are about 25 to 30,000, depending on data source. So that is huge in terms of a reduction of about 5,000 plus available rental properties on the online market for lease, hence why vacancy rates are so low, and that in comparison to a population that's grown substantially more. The distribution of vacancy, we've also charted that out, and you can kind of see that the majority of markets in the country are sitting in the 0.5 to 1%, and the second highest bracket was under 0.5%, the third highest at one to 1.5. So it just shows you vacancy rates are a dear, like a huge crisis, like they're very low. And what we pointed out, some of the reasons of decline in established supply. The first reason is extended hold periods. Uh, so the guys at HTAG put this chart together and what we notice is the hold periods over the six capital cities from 2008 to 2022 have grown by close to 50% in many cases. That means people are holding their properties way longer on average. So in 2008, the average hold period, uh, the highest one was Melbourne at sort of 8.5 years. And then we've got the lowest in Adelaide, which is about six years. Now, Adelaide, the lowest, is having average hold periods of above 8.5 years and Melbourne having hold periods at above 11.5 years, which means about a 50% increase in both of them from even the lowest to the highest. And that is huge. So we are seeing the average hold time naturally mean that people holding their properties for longer with less transactions taking place is a cause for concern. Um, that is therefore holding back supply. One big part of that, in our opinion, is the actual friction around transacting in Australia. The friction meaning if you're letting go of homes, there's capital gains, tax, sales agents, lawyers, and styling and whatever you want to call it to get the best out of it. And then on the purchasing, you've got buyers, agents, lawyers, stamp duty, and more. And so what you can do is what's the biggest percentage in terms of a portion of these sales in terms of the exit and or the purchase? It is capital gains tax and it is stamp duty. And so the relationship of stamp duty, had it stayed the same since going back in time, then you would say, well, the average duty as a proportion indexed to property prices and earnings, if they remain the same, then you wouldn't have as much blowout, in my opinion, of holding times because it's always been that way. 
but the actual gain in indexing out stamp duty in comparison to prices in comparison to average earnings. Stamp duty as a revenue stream has grown faster, even though, yes, prices have grown and income has grown, but it's relative to these three from an indexation, the stamp duty has grown faster. So people today have more costs to think about on the purchase, therefore it's a detractor for them to freely transact, and we have what we call lack of stock mobility. So you now combine some of these things, which is more households being formed, more people in Australia, less mobility due to government costs, and more people holding on to properties, you get some issues here, right? Now, from the next perspective as well, is that supply is also caused by a buyer type. So investors are the buyer type who actually transact more outside of just the shelter above their own home. So a buyer type being a homeowner will only live in one home. It's very rare that someone could live in multiple homes. They live in one. But the investor has an opportunity to either purchase multiple homes from an investor-established property or build multiple homes, creating more supply that the government is obviously not creating. And there's been suppressed activities because guess what? The biggest supplier of those properties, the investor, is not looked after in any way. They're hammered with taxes, they're hammered with bills, they're hammered with levies, they're hammered with higher interest rates with banks, they're hammered with worse policies from banks. So all our institutional and government level partners from all the way from council, all the way to major government, from institutional being the banks, they're not putting the money in the right directions to those who create the right supply. And so if there was a whole bunch more incentives for investors to be able to operate freely, more market share in the rental market and also new builds would start to come in. Whether that's the best investment for a new investor, I um, can't say that it is, but uh, that is the case that they're being suppressed. Other things that we've also talked about has been the lack of you know, rental properties in terms of the lack of rental types. Remember, if the government's not going to step up in the social housing, as you can see in the trends, you know, we had around 1991, 7.1% of housing in Australia was a proportion share in social housing. So 7.1% of all housing. That number now is 4.3. So instead of the government even playing an equal part to what they used to do, the government's playing half as much of a part as they used to do in the 90s when it comes to social housing for Australians. And so, okay, cool. If you're going to do less, at least make it up in other ways. But build to rent is only starting to come up. So institutional money is only playing in the game now. It could have been played many years ago, but the tax system failed to appreciate the supply that they could bring in. And then mum and dad investors, again, are being pinged and they don't get the opportunity to bring in the supply too. So what we really need is all three working. We need lots of benefits, incentives, and excitement for build to rent institutional money to play game in Australia. We also need the mum and dad investors to want to participate more and be able to participate more in Australia. And how good would it be a triple whammy if the government got more involved too, because the social housing's not where it once was. So these are a couple of keys to unlocking some of the supply. Then of course, we've got limited land supply. And so from a limited land supply, yes, you might think Australia, whoa, huge, vast country, but how much of that land is usable? 
how much of that land is having visionary approach to connect cities, like by major infrastructure to bring workforces and employment opportunities to even some of our small cities? And how many of that is actual, you know, geographically possible when you've got the hills, when you've got the waters, the rivers, the floods, whatever it may be, the trees, the bushes, you need to think of that too. And then, of course, with that land comes the usage of the land, which is zoning, development, creativity, planning, certainty, all these things start to come up, or in some cases, you could also call it red tape. Even just the taxes on builds itself, uh, from you know, whether it be different things with the government's ca causing the tax costs, or whether it be rising construction costs, or whether it be labor shortages. As you can see here, when you check out this video, you'll also see more of this all playing a core part. As you can see, housing construction costs continues to rise. They are cooling off now, but just some of the factors in what happened. Then if you throw on top of that, the pullback of migration and then the rubber band effect of many more people coming in, that is no doubt going to play the catch up of what we lost last year, but also likely overshoot and give us more people that it then impact the rental supply too. I talked about the household size earlier. You can see from the 90s and 80s, our average household size was sort of 2.9, then 2.7. And it's been trending down all the way till about 2008. And then typically what happens when you have global uncertainty, when you have more costs in the world, when you have more things, naturally staying at home, more families, longer time with family kicked up. And that happened all the way till about 2008, uh, 16. And then from 16, we've been trending down. Uh, COVID then saw us tick back up again before ticking back down again um, with people post-COVID starting to get a bit more space, a bit more out there. And obviously the Gen Ys starting to go into family formation. So Gen Ys essentially going, hey, we'll move out of home, we'll start our own family, we'll rent by, and then we'll have our own uh, kids and so forth. So um, I guess the final parts to uh, raise with you and to why the supply crisis is here is concentration of population. And this comes back to that first point I raised. You know, rest of Australia outside of our capitals only represents 38.6% of population distribution. That's, that's pretty bad. Like you just see the land allocated to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide just these five capitals here. I know there's more, but I'm just talking about these fives because they're major populations all above that million, right? So with these five capitals, if you take them away and put the rest of Australia, the rest of Australia is 38.6%. Extremely low. One of the worst in the world, actually, is how much we just stuff into these five cities. This is where better concentration risk needs to be in place so we can manage that risk and spread more. And we've talked about all the projects that, you know, have been around in talks forever, whether it be fast rails, whether it be you know hubs, whether it be that. The main thing is it starts with public infrastructure first. So the public being government starting to invest in projects that get us to be able to make things stretch out across these major capitals, invest in job creating projects, invest in incentives for companies who set up greater, invest in workforces to be able to invest in land releases for housing to be met with the employment opportunities. This is how you start to shift population distribution. And why that's so important is because the square meterage of land, the dollar per square meter ends up being more affordable. And if you have 
combine that with more opportunity, you get to release more land, you get to release more housing, you get to create more zoning changes that allow for that too, and you get to create more desire from people to live across multiple ways. You then also do that from a policy angle and migration, you get more spread, you get more uh, ease of that crisis rather than pressure in a few select cities. Uh, but right now, even those um, regional cities are bearing the pressure hit as well from this undersupply. Um, the other thing was internal migration. In the regional centers, I talked about that. And we can see here the regional net internal migration rocketed between 2018 and 2021. That has come off a little bit, but it's still well above the highs and the decade average. So you can see that even though that migration's come off a bit in the regionals, it's still way higher than typical levels between 2013 to 2019. So expect that component to obviously impact supply over there too. That is a good thing long-term for that migration to occur, but because we haven't equipped the housing of those areas correctly, it doesn't create any good moments for those regional areas too, because it means that their supply gets tested as well. So in summary, to supply Australia with more houses and to eliminate the issue, we need to not only build more, but we need population better distributed. We need more efficiency in the planning system. We need tax systems to be more fairer so we can get that stock mobility. We need to make housing more friendly for investors, both at a mum and dad level to institutional level by providing greater diversity to those providers, including social housing. This will take time to achieve, but in the short term, it's quite clear that these markets will see severe supply crunches, therefore growth to continue, especially when you just simplify it to the dynamic of having a, 5 million more people than houses you know, we had 10 years ago, which are for sale less now than 10 years ago. So imagine that, 5 million more people, but less housing choice than that same time 10 years ago. So the key is that as the short-term unlocker, but over the long-term unlocker, I hope um, many people in those positions who can make a big difference are sitting here, listening to this podcast, watching this YouTube, downloading this research paper, because I truly believe that these are the answers to solve that across many different ways. And so that is Australia's housing supply crunch. And if you're after the supply analysis by region, we've got that all there with all the charts, as you can see, from rental pressure to price pressure to supply growth versus population growth, to new construction, to vacancy, to stock on market, to inventory, all the charts there and commentary for the top 20 regions with that supply shortage, all the reasons as to why there's a supply shortage, and even some tips in terms of fixing Australia's supply shortage. I hope you enjoyed this research paper, this podcast as well, to talk more about it. And if you want to check out the video of this, jump onto the Investikit YouTube page, which is Investikit on YouTube. And obviously like, subscribe would mean a lot. It would help us in creating more videos like this, uh, having more time for myself to spend here to share these insights with you. And thank you again for allowing us to be in a position where we're able to support more and more Aussies, thanks to all your support. And here we are, not only as the winners of Australia's Buyers Agency of the Year for 2023, but to be able to humbly now be finalists for 2024 and fingers crossed for the goal being the first to do it back to back. And just before you forget, this supply analysis is totally free as a research paper. It's on investigate.com.au. Click research, click white papers. It's the most recent one. And uh, also, if you're 
after that investment toolkit bundle that I mentioned before, it's available at that limited time for $27. And uh, that's all yours to go ahead. Take care. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned. Game over.